Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the first reading, as well as in the Gospel, we hear at the beginning of two prophetic careers, Jeremiah and Jesus. Listen to the first reading and how it begins. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you. Prophet to all the nations, I appointed you. Well, that's an incredibly profound statement that God is making to Jeremiah. The first lesson we can take from this, this is the level of intimacy that God wants, that God desires for each and every one of us. Before each and every one of us was even conceived in the womb, God knew us, God saw us, and he loved us. See, that's what he's telling Jeremiah. Now, he's trying to recruit Jeremiah to be the next prophet. Does Jeremiah immediately accept? No. In fact, he refuses. Scripture scholars believe that Jeremiah is probably maybe 13, 14 years old when God is calling him to be the next prophet. Now, remember, Jeremiah lives in a patriarchal society where older, experienced men are the leaders, not boys like him. That's why he says to God, I'm too young. No one will listen to me. But God reassures Jeremiah that it will be okay. That's why he says, For it is I this day who have made you a fortified city, pillar of iron, of wall of brass, against the whole land, against Judah's kings and princes. They will fight against you, but not prevail over you. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Well, after hearing that, Jeremiah acquiesces, and he accepts the title and the responsibility of being the prophet. Now realize, and this is important to understand, God says to Jeremiah, he wants him to be a prophet to all the nations. Not just a prophet to the nation of Israel, but to all the nations. Our God is a God of the universe. He sends prophets to preach to all nations. Our God wants to gather all the nations to himself not just an exclusive few. And see, that's a great segue into the gospel. Realize what's going on right now in the gospel. Jesus has just been baptized by John. His ministry begins. And what does he do? He preaches, he teaches, but most importantly, he performs miracles. You know, he heals the blind. He heals the people that are deaf. He heals the people that are lame. That's important. Next, he goes home to Nazareth. And like a good and devout Jew, it is Sabbath. So he goes and he prays and he worships. Part of the Jewish ceremony of worshiping on the Sabbath is to read a scripture passage. 
Now, a person stands up, and typically the attendant gives them a scripture passage to read. They are not given a choice. And yet, when Jesus stands up, he is given the Bible, and he specifically chooses the scripture passage to read. This is important. Why? Because he chooses the passage from Isaiah that speaks about the coming of the Messiah and how to identify the coming of the Messiah. Isaiah says that when the Messiah comes, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will walk. Well, what has Jesus been doing? He's been doing just that in those miracles. Therefore, those miracles point to who Jesus' identity really is. Now, notice what Jesus does. Instead of citing this prophecy as something that will happen in the future, he declares that it is fulfilled precisely in him. That's why he says, today the scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, this is very important. This scripture passage was probably the most important and the most popular amongst all of the Israelites. If you are a good and devout Jew, you knew this passage from Isaiah by heart. Why? Because it speaks of the coming of the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. Whenever the Israelites or the Jews heard this passage from Isaiah, they always would begin to dream and hope that one day this prophecy would come true. Well, now it has. Now there is someone standing in the synagogue in Nazareth who says it is fulfilled in their own hearing. More to it, this person that's standing there is one of their own. He's a local boy, someone they grew up with. This is a person that they saw from a toddler and they saw him grow up throughout his entire life. They knew his family, his parents. And now Jesus stands before these people in the synagogue and he tells them, you know, I am the long-awaited Messiah. This scripture passage is all about me and I am fulfilling it. Now, you begin to see why the people are so taken back by it. The next thing it says, the people said, isn't this the son of Joseph? Well, now you begin to see what the people are thinking. They start to think, well, if he truly is the Messiah, and we know he's a local boy, we know that he is one of us, well, they naturally conclude that they will all benefit by this. You see how this logic works. If Jesus truly is the Messiah, and they know he's a local boy, he's one of their own, then it's going to benefit the entire town. All the people in the town will profit by this. The people are thinking that Jesus, like any good politician, will always favor his friends, his family, his neighbors, and his town. And so Jesus immediately picks up on this thought and he wants to squelch it from the very beginning. That's why he says, Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. Well, what's really going on here? Well, you could say a buzz has been created about Jesus. You know, the word has already gotten out. Prior to this scripture passage in which Jesus goes home and worships in the synagogue, what was he doing? Well, he was preaching and teaching, but more importantly, he was performing miracles. Miracles in which he cured the blind and now they see. 
He cured the deaf and now they hear. He cured the lame and now they walk. And see, this is exactly what Isaiah was pointing to. The Messiah will do all these things. And so the people know that. And so Jesus goes home and he reads the scripture passage. And now he declares that he truly is the Messiah they've always waited for. And so the the people naturally expect that they are going to benefit by it. A good analogy to help you understand this a little bit better is the old saying, politics is always local. What do I mean by that? Well, take where you live, the congressional district where you live. If the congressman that represents you holds a very prominent or high-ranking position in Washington, D.C., say, head of the Appropriations Committee, you know, in charge of the budget, well, you can expect that he's going to take care of you. A lot of pork projects are going to come your way, that your town or your city is going to have a lot of federal funding, new roads, bridges that lead to nowhere. Nonetheless, you're going to get a lot of pork projects. Two years later, you're going to repay that. You're going to re-elect him to that prominent position again in Washington. And then the cycle will continue and continue and continue. See, that's what the people in the synagogues are starting to think of Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's also a local boy. He's one of us. He's going to take care of us all. We're going to enjoy power and prestige. Again, Jesus tries to put this idea down, squelch it. That's why the next thing he does, he cites these two very little known passages from the Old Testament. And yet there are two very uneasy passages for a Jew. They're very uncomfortable for the Israelites. Jesus says, Indeed, I tell you, there are more widows in Israel in the days of Elijah than when the sky was closed for three and a half years and a severe famine spread over the entire land. It was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to the widow in Zephrath, in the land of Sidon, which is a foreign land. Again, there were lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet, yet none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. Now this is really interesting. The first part, Jesus cites a period of time in which... During the time of the prophet Elijah, the Israelites were experiencing a severe drought. Well, they weren't just experiencing it, but all of the other nations of the world were experiencing it. And yet Elijah wasn't sent to the Israelites, but he was sent to the other nations to help them. Take the second part with Elisha. It evokes the strange general Naaman, whose arrival, arrival to the Israelites, He comes to the Israelite nation to be healed, and Elisha heals him. Despite the fact that the Israelite nation was suffering from leprosy, the entire rest of the world was also suffering. Again, Elisha was sent to the rest of the world and not to the nation of Israel. Here's what Jesus is trying to teach the people in the synagogue. At key moments of history, God attended to the needs of the world rather than the needs of the Israelite nation. Jesus is reminding the townspeople in that synagogue the very words of Jeremiah in the first reading, in which God sends Jeremiah to be a prophet to all the nations. 
not just one, the Israelites. The Israelite nation exists not for its own sake and not for its own benefit. It exists for the sake of the world. God chose the Israelite nation to be his chosen people so that they are a means to gather all the nations to him. That's why he calls Jeremiah to be the prophet, not just to the Israelites, but to all the nations. And now Jesus is trying to tell the people in the synagogue, yes, he is the Messiah. And furthermore, he is the Messiah, not just for the Israelites to profit or benefit from, so that the rest of the world is out in the cold. No, Jesus is the Messiah for the entire world, for all the nations, for all the nations to benefit by. Now, how do the people accept this? Pretty bad. It says, when the people in the synagogue heard this, they were filled with fury. They rose up and drove him out of town and led him to the brow of a hill to hurl him down headlong. Well, that's a pretty angry mob, isn't it? A few minutes ago, they were pleasing to Jesus. They wanted to benefit by his power. And now they're so angry, they want to kill him. Why? Because Jesus doesn't want to give them what they want. What they want is a personal Messiah, such that they will benefit and profit by. And so Jesus says, no, I'm not. I'm a Messiah for the entire world, not just for an exclusive few to benefit or profit by. That's what makes them so angry. So you say to yourself, okay, I understand that. But what does this mean to me? Well, we can easily fall into that trap. Expect God to just benefit ourselves. Expect God's graces to always benefit us. We say to God, okay, God, I'll go to Mass every week. I'll pray every day. I'll go to confession. Provided you now give me good health and good marriage and success. A quid pro quo. Well, God doesn't operate that way. The purpose of our baptism is is precisely the same purpose that Israelite was called to be the chosen people of God. We now must be a conduit of God's grace and his love for the rest of this world. The key is that we have to learn to cooperate with God's grace wherever we find it. Sometimes God gives blessings to other people, but we can't fall into that temptation of resentment. You know, we look across the aisle and we say, you know, those people are more successful than I am. You know, therefore, I've got a problem with God. He's not treating me justly. We have to realize that faith is not about our own benefit, our own success, getting what's ours. Instead, we find great joy in, yes, in our success, but also in the success of others. We can't ask the question, what's in it for me? See, that's the problem with those people in the gospel. That's what they ask Jesus for. Instead, what we have to ask, how do we cooperate with God's grace so that not only do we benefit by it, but others in this world also benefit by it. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest with you always.